Our precious Heavenly Father, we're gathered here today in our homes to worship you, to lift up your name. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to be connected virtually. I pray, Father, for a sense of of, of just uh, community, Lord, to fill our hearts as we worship together, as we even see the comments rolling across the screen from others in the body of Christ that are joining us. I pray, Lord, that, that you would weld our hearts together. Father, we pray for those that have been affected by COVID-19, whether they've been affected by the loss of a loved one, maybe their own health is, has, uh, has really been affected by it. Father, for those um, that their, their jobs and their income have been affected, I pray, Father, for healing for those that, that are sick. I pray for comfort for those who mourn, and I pray for provision for those um, that, that those things have been interrupted in their lives and they've lost their, their income and their jobs. Father, as a body of Christ, I pray help us to come alongside of those who maybe do not have enough and help them uh, through this difficult time. Father, I pray for opportunities for the body of Christ to minister to those that have lack or to those who are maybe struggling with their health. Father, I pray for those that are at risk that are among us. I pray that you would uh, keep them safe. Lord, I pray that they would come through this time and be healthy. Father, we pray that as a nation, Lord, we would turn from things that have been sin. And I pray that we would repent, as your word says, and that we would experience healing in our land. Father, we thank you that your word tells us that where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in the midst of them, and we know that you are here among us today. And we thank you for that. We thank you that your word never changes. We thank you that you never change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. And welcome to our online gathering of Silver Creek Church. It is really an honor to be with you today. I want you to do me a favor if you would. If you would just take out your phone or another device and would you comment on our premiere, on our, this, this live um, Facebook or, or YouTube um, um, event, would you comment and let us know where you are right now, where you are listening from. Not your bedroom or your living room, but let us know what city, what community you are in because we want to know where you are right now and we want to celebrate the body of Christ together. You see, it doesn't matter where you live. I believe that if you have the desire to be a part of this church family, I believe that you are indeed part of our Silver Creek Church family. So we want to know where you're from, so let us know. We're excited to see that. We're excited to celebrate together. You see, the church is not a building. The church is a gathering of those who believe in Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, 
He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That word church there that Jesus uses is a Greek word, and that word is ekklesia, and it means an assembly, a gathering of called out ones. In the Greek New Testament, the word ekklesia never refers to a building. It's always about a gathering of people. The building that I'm standing in right now is located at 219 Silver Creek Road, but it is not the church. If it were the church, then the government has been successful at overcoming the church. But that's not the case. The church is people. It is you and I. The church is people like John and Laura Pritchett who live right down the street here on Silver Creek Road, just a few feet away from us. The church is like Jason and Laura Plesher and their eight kids and their future son-in-law that live 90 miles from here in McMillan, Michigan. The church is like Greg and Carrie Lipple who live 178 miles from here in Cedarville, Michigan that are undoubtedly watching today. The church is Troy and Belinda Jean and their son Austin, who live 1136 miles away in Williamson, Georgia. You see, the church is every person from every location. And right now, you should be able to see some of those places coming up on your social media feed in the comment section. You see, I believe that as we move forward at this time in our society, we're really going to look at things uh, one of two ways. We're going to look at things as pre-COVID-19, and we're going to look at things as post-COVID-19. Because of this virus, we've been forced to become almost completely digital in our gatherings, But at some point, the restrictions that have been placed on our gatherings will be lifted. But I want you to know that I'm really not expecting that we will ever really go back to what we would have described as normal. I think it will always have to be a new type of normal. But that's not all bad. You see, because the limitations of distance have now been forever removed from the church and its reach. The church is people. And Jesus said that he came to build his church and that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. You see, we are no longer only a local church that's located on Silver Creek Road. We literally can reach around the world. Last Sunday on Easter, we began this series of messages, Hope Has a Name, and I want you to know that his name is still Jesus, and Jesus is the hope of the church. Pastor Bill Hybels, formerly of Willow Creek Church near Chicago, said this, the local church is the hope of the world. Today, I want to share with you four things that I believe that we need in order for the church to be the steadfast hope of the world. The first thing that we need to be that steadfast hope is we need each other. I don't know about you, 
But over the past month, I've become more keenly aware of the fact that we need each other. I love the social media meme that I saw. It said, check on your extrovert friends. We're not okay. I feel like I definitely qualify in that statement. The other day, while we were at our our Feeding America event, I was getting set uh, in the morning when I first arrived, and one of the guys from the church came, and, and we were going to kind of give each other elbows. And, 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 and we, just as we were getting ready to do that, it was really kind of funny because we both were sort of at the same time um, kind of overwhelmed, and, and we, we gave each other a hug. And, and it was amazing, the feeling of, of just that kind of contact after not having it for such a long time, uh, the realization that we need each other. I remember the first time that I, I learned as a, a young person how, that I needed other people. It was a really tough lesson for me. I was about 10 or 11 years old. I grew up on the south side of Janesville, Wisconsin. It's a town of about <clears throat> 50,000. And at night in the summertime, if we would get a good rain we would take our flashlights and we would go out in the yard and we'd look for night crawlers. I I really felt like I was pretty good at it and and we we would be pretty successful at times, but I remember one night in particular... We, we felt like we struck it rich. It was like every night crawler was out, and we felt like we got them all. We got double after double after double, and I mean we absolutely loaded up with night crawlers. We were out that night with our friends David and Raymond. We used to do a lot of things with those guys in the neighborhood, and we decided that after our successful night of getting night crawlers, that we were going to sell those night crawlers and that we were going to make some money. Well, the next day, there was some sort of a disagreement between us. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember that in our discussion, it got to the point that I said, fine, I don't need you anyway. And at that point, we decided to divide up the night crawlers, and we went our separate ways. After a couple of weeks, I can remember being absolutely miserable because David and Raymond were the guys that we did everything with. We played basketball with them. We played baseball with them. We went swimming with them. We went sledding with them. We did stuff with them all the time. They were the guys that we spent our time with. I was miserable and I realized that I was wrong and I needed to say something to them. And I said, I need you. I was wrong. In Romans chapter 12 Verses 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul tells us this. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Did you hear that? As members of the body of Christ, we belong to each other. We need each other. You know, over the past two millennium, the church has been 
guilty of forgetting its mission and forgetting its purpose. There have been stretches in our history where we thought that the church was really about structure. There have been times in history where we thought that the church was about hierarchy. And there have been times in the church where we thought that it was all about the architecture. When in actuality, it's always been about reaching people with the message of the gospel. You see, we cannot fulfill God's call on our lives as the church without each other. Paul goes on there in Romans chapter 12, and he says that we all have different gifts, and God wants to use those gifts in order to accomplish his mission of seeking and saving the lost. Now, some of you might be thinking right now as I'm speaking, you might say, well, I can get things done for God all by myself. And you know, that is true. We absolutely can do that. But I want you to do me a favor. I want you to hold up your hand and I want you to look at it for just a moment. Now, you've got five fingers on that hand. But I want you to imagine for a moment you only had one finger. And for the sake of argument, we're going to say that it's your thumb. And with only a thumb, what can you do? You're limited to what you can accomplish. Oh, there's a few things you can tell people, good job, boy, way to go. How you doing? I'm doing good. Or you can stand by the side of the road and put your thumb up and, and hitchhike for a ride. There's a few things that you can do, but not very many. Now, I want to use our Feeding America event from this week as an illustration. You say, I can do things for God, so I want to provide food for a family. So you go out and you prepare all that is needed to get that box of food and then you deliver it to them and you have successfully done so. But imagine working with a team of 30 people where you're able to provide food for over 300 families. That's an increase in your effectiveness by tenfold. When we depend on Jesus, the rock of our salvation, Deuteronomy 32.30 says, one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. In other words, together our effectiveness multiplies. With one finger, we're limited, but when you begin to add other fingers to the equation, there is no limit of the possibility of things that can be done. We cannot be the steadfast hope of the world that God has created us to be as the church unless we are willing to work together. We cannot do it alone. And I want to challenge you today. Don't go it alone. Don't live in isolation, but begin to connect with other believers as part of a local body of Christ. Number two, we need to grow. When the church gets together in person or online, something needs to happen to us. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need to be fueled up. We need to be equipped, connected, refreshed, and strengthened. In other words, we need to grow. The very thought 
of growth sometimes produces fear and discomfort in our minds. But why are people afraid to grow? I believe it's because in order to grow, we realize that we must change, and we don't like change because change is uncomfortable. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, For him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, the natural and intentional result of being part of the body of Christ should be growth in you and me. As each of us functions in the area of our gifting within the body of Christ, others are built up and they grow in their faith. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Paul uses that word admonish there, which means to caution or correct or urge. And the truth is that as adults, we don't really like to be corrected. But you see, we all have different blind spots in our lives. We all have different weaknesses in our lives. And we're used to doing things our way. And each and every one of us needs to have someone else who can speak into our lives because we don't always see things the right way. You need that and I need that too. Some of us have been living in spiritual isolation long before COVID-19 ever happened and we have not allowed someone into our lives who can speak to us and challenge us and bring correction into our lives so that we will grow. Growth is God's ultimate plan for each of us and He uses our relationships within the body of Christ to accomplish this. Number three, In order for us to be the steadfast hope of the world, we need to worship. Psalm 145, beginning at verse 1, the psalmist says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One thing that's extremely different for me during this time of separation is the absence of corporate worship. I miss it tremendously. I'm reminded of growing up in the church, we didn't have the cool songs that we have now. We sang the same songs, it seemed like week after week, month after month, year after year. And lest you think I criticize, like you I remember the old songs from my youth. In fact, this week I went through the hymnal and I went through and looked up and and spent time even singing through some of the choruses and the verses of these old songs that made such an impact in my life. I was reminded of songs like, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. One of my big time favorites, I'll Fly Away and There's Power in the Blood. 
just over in the glory land. I've got a mansion over the hilltop. Victory in Jesus. I love to tell the story. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Glory to his name. The old rugged cross. Blessed assurance and amazing grace. I want you to know that as a kid, we sat in the third row in our church, and it didn't matter what service it was, we always sat together in the third row. And I want you to know that as we sang those old songs, I would sing my lungs out to every one of them. You see, something happens when men and women and young people who love Jesus get together and worship Him with joy and passion, you see, worship actually transforms us. C.S. Lewis said this, In the process of being worshipped, God communicates His presence to men. James, the brother of Jesus, in chapter 4, verse 8, says it this way, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. That's one of the things that I love about corporate worship, is being able to sense the very presence of God as I hear someone sing, and they, people around me definitely can hear me sing. And what happens? We begin to sense the very presence of God. You say, why should I worship? Why do I need to worship, whether privately or corporately? I just want to give you two simple reasons. The first one is that God deserves it because of who He is. I read from Psalm 145. The psalmist, he said, I will exalt you, my God, the King. He doesn't talk about the things that God has done. He just says, great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. He doesn't talk about the things that God has done. He just talks about the fact that God is simply worthy because of who He is. And secondly, God deserves it because of what He has done. God loved you. God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And on the third day, he raised him from the dead. And he has promised us that one day Jesus is coming back again to take us to be with him for eternity. God has done so much for us. What does it say about us if we refuse to worship God together? First of all, I would say that it says that we don't think that God is all that worthy to be worshipped in the first place. And that secondly, we don't think that He's done all that much. I love the words of A.W. Tozer who said this, God has already put me so far in debt that if I were to live one million millenniums. I could not pay him for what he has done for me. If the church is to be the steadfast hope of the world, we need to worship the Lord together. And number four, we need the keys. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19 
Jesus says this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, I, I get teased fairly frequently by my family <clears throat> and even by my mechanics about my truck. And I've got to confess to you that I'm a little bit emotionally attached to my truck. About 10 years ago, I was able to buy it. It's a 2001 Chevy Silverado four-wheel drive red pickup. And when I bought it, it had been sitting in a garage owned by a dealer for about four years. It had not been driven during that time. There was no rust. There were no scratches, not even a blemish. It was as perfect as could be. It had a Flowmaster muffler. It had a beautiful growl to it. It had aggressive tires. It had the Z71 off-road package. And I bought that truck in order to use it to do work projects and to take hunting trips. And I want to tell you, I have taken so many loads to the dump. I have hauled thousands and thousands of pounds of lumber and sheetrock and building materials literally until the springs have been about ready to give way. I've taken hunting trips around the state of Michigan. I've taken them to Wisconsin, South Dakota, and Iowa. I get teased because over the last nine or ten years, I have used that truck to work hard and the salt and the winters have given her a pretty bad case of UP road rash. My tailgate is held up with a green ratchet strap. My heater and my wipers only work on high. When that truck was first purchased, it was perfect was perfect when I brought it home, but it wouldn't do me any good if I put it in the garage and kept it perfect. I needed to take the keys and engage the engine so that I could take it out and use it. I want you to know that God has called you and I, His church, to find ways to live, to share, and to spread the power of the gospel. But the gospel doesn't do us or the world any good if it sits in a garage or a storage building. I know that the past month has been very difficult for many of us because of the restrictions that have been placed upon us. There's been isolation. There's been disruption of income. There's been job loss. There's been a difficulty to get certain resources. And I want to say something, but before I do, I want to preface it by saying this. <clears throat> My heart breaks that even one person will have lost their life during the past month from the COVID-19 virus. But let me say this. I believe that one of the results of what we are going through is going to actually be something that will be one of the greatest things that have ever happened in the church because for the first time in centuries, we are understanding that the walls that the church has built for herself over the centuries to meet behind have now been torn down and the church has been released. 
for the first time, we realize that there are no boundaries. There are no limitations. We can connect with anyone at any time, anywhere around the world. God has given us, his people, the keys that, as the church. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he promises us that we will be his witnesses to the uttermost parts of the world. He has called us to be the steadfast hope of the world. You might be wondering how could this be possible in light of our circumstances? There's so much fear. There's so much anxiety. There's so much uncertainty all around us. How do you know that this could be true? Well, remember what I read in Matthew 16, verse 18, earlier in my message, where Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus is still building his church. It's still his church. And he still promises that the gates of hell cannot stand against her. Jesus is still in the business of building his church and he promises us victory. Earlier this week in my devotional time, I read from 1 John chapter 4. In fact, I shared it on Wednesday night in my midweek devos in verse 4. In the King James, it says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Friends, I want you to know that Jesus is greater than COVID-19. Jesus is greater than the spirit of this world. Jesus is greater than the power of Satan. And he promised to build his church. And he promises that the gates of hell cannot stand up against her. Friends, I want to speak into your heart. I want to speak into your mind under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you are the church. You are the steadfast hope of the world without limitations when we operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for the men and women and young people who are listening to my voice right now. I pray that the anointing of your Holy Spirit will rest upon our homes and rest upon our hearts and minds and that rather than feel isolated, we will realize that the walls of the church have been taken down and the church has been released into the world and we are that church. And you have promised to build your church. And you have promised that the gates of hell will not be able to stand up against her. Father, I thank you today that you are still moving in this world. That you have a plan. That you have not forsaken us. And that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, I pray a spirit of peace to be upon our people today. I pray, Lord, against any fear or anxiety. And in its place, I speak a confidence, a confidence in the provision that God provides us. Your word says that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient for me. And today I pray, Lord, that we would have a confidence that you will not leave us or forsake us. 
And we thank you that you have called us to be your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to encourage you today that no matter where you are, if you do not have a church, we want to invite you to be a part of Silver Creek Church. Not only for the time of restriction and limitation, but we want to invite you to be a part of this church in an ongoing basis. Let us know who you are. Go on our website, fill out a connect card, Tell us who you are so that we can open our arms and include you. And together, we are the church. We are the steadfast hope of the world in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with us today, and God bless you.